0: All right, welcome into the latest edition of here that podcast. Growland, Paul Danner Jr., Jay Morrison of the Athletic are
1: excited. Uh, well, I speak for myself. I mean, I really am excited. Are you yeah, excited, I am too. Jay? I yeah, am, yeah. We're. I mean, it's it's almost draft month. We are a couple days away from really kicking this thing into gear. It it, it is. What's officially like dra-
0: the draft sprint? We've had, you know, some people some people in this area are into horse racing. <laughs> You know, and you you always I I always feel like draft coverage is sort of like it's it's not really about I don't I like being the horse that just hangs around and hangs around in the middle of the pack, but keeps a clear lane. And then once we turn that corner, I like to I like to try to fly to the front of the pack. You know, Uh, that's I'm, I'm that patient horse, you know, that makes the exciting finish. Uh, for for what you hope to be the big win, so that's we have officially turned the corner, and I'm I'm using the whip, I'm using the whip, right and I just start using the whip. We're ready to go all the way down to the home stretch. I'm excited about it.
1: I'm looking for a vial of Lasix so I can uh, just get my little extra jolt to come down the street, <laughs> d- down the stretch. That's a uh, an illegal drug in horse racing that some some Jay, Jay you would go right
0: to the illegal horse drugs. <laughs> It's just it's just all too predictable the way you just
1: fall into the stereotype that we've created for you I mean if they can <laughs> if they can affect a massive animal like that imagine what they could do to me <laughs> oh man do, the kids listening to this at home don't use horse drugs don't do we, anything we, I say
0: yeah all right <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a bunch to get to uh I want to talk a little bit about Jerron Reed landing with the Chiefs and the Bengals' role in going after him. Uh, Whatever, we're going to kind of dip quickly through what could be left for them to do in free agency. But really, it's a full turn toward the draft pretty much at this point. Uh, But we'll, we'll get into that. Jay's going to have some stats for you. I want to talk about the trade. Action that happened on Friday, a lot involved ripple effects across the league that includes the Bengals and some people would even say maybe the Bengals were the biggest beneficiary. Well, there was a news that dropped on one of our other athletic podcasts yesterday that made me think that that could be true even more so. Uh, and it listed a wow from Robert Mays and it got one from me, too. I'm going to talk about that. Uh my mock draft is up. Sort of my first official seven round mock draft. Of course, I did one as part of the roster projection uh, earlier. I guess God, that was back back in February. I, I really don't really count anything until you get through with free agency because it's just it's totally unrealistic and just a speculative guess. But this is the first one where you really feel like you can hone in on it. And I figured it out. I've I've got my stance, Jay, and I am not moving. Off of it, but I reserve the right to do so.
1: <laughs>
0: but I'm going to be, I'm on it. I think I, I think I figured I just want to talk about that. And then you, I have a bunch of questions from the mailbag, uh, last week that turned into an offensive line mailbag that I thought were fun. Some were fun, some were interesting. Uh, that I want to just, we can, Jay and
1: I can run through some of those for you guys too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, some of these, the, I, I like the run pass, the offseason run passer boots. Those are, uh, some it's, they're a little tough a little speculative obviously being off season but I'm looking forward to getting to a couple of these. You know what What's I it? would like to do
0: uh, I uh, if you're listening and you have ideas and you want to just put some thought into it. I would love to do an all run passer boot podcast. Ooh, yes. That is nothing but stocking up on run passer boot questions that readers send to us. Uh maybe we sh- maybe uh, if you have one for now or maybe we could say for after the draft. As a draft reaction, when you kind of the scene starts to set for next year, uh, we could do all run passer boots. If you got why I love when people send us RPBs. So uh, if you've got them, if you think of them, tweet them to us at Paul Dana Jr. at J Morrison A-T-H. send them via email to me, p at the uh, or just drop them in the comments or any of these mail, any of these, uh, Q&As that we do. Maybe, maybe we'll put one of those together. Keep that in mind for the future. Also, if we, you have not oh. subscribed, by the way, make sure $1 per month for the next six months deal is still going on, but it's wrapping up soon. So if you have not, click on any of the links, the mock draft link that's out there, any stories that we have up, uh, and you can subscribe right there. $1 per month, best deal you'll get going. It's running out soon, so hurry up and get to that. I want to make sure you mention that.
1: I was gonna say with the uh, run passer boot pod, I love that idea, and we could not only answer them, we could power rank them. So try to come up with your best one. Try to try to really um, count down to with- the
0: best ones. I love it. Yes, I love yeah. it. Um All right, so let's let's jump in here. Uh, you know, as far as ticking off some of the news boxes. Uh, since we came you, of course, we did our Friday podcast. We ran down a lot of the news there. We talked a lot about Giovanni Bernard uh, and the moves of the Bengals last week. So if you want to go back and listen to that from Friday, that is on there. Um, so we won't dive too much more into that other than the Gio situation it has not worked itself out yet. Don't believe that there is necessarily a timeline on it. I think that's just kind of a thing where Gio going to have to make his decision on where this stands for him as far as wanting to try to come back at a lesser rate potentially or, uh, you know, jumping into free agency and seeing what the market bears and what he can get, but he's got time. Or the Bengals landing a trade, um, which is far, far less likely, but, you know, also an option. Um, Jeron Reed was, you know, on certainly on the radar of the Bengals as as a guy that could be let go they were you know everybody keeping an eye on that situation in Seattle look they they've been looking for a defensive lineman that can come in and have an impact be rota- rotational with Ogan Joby, uh and Hendrickson uh whether it was an edge guy or a three technique and and the Jaron Reed who dropped in Seattle as they had to clear space when they decided to re-sign Carlos Dunlap as all things seem to center around the Bengals here uh and so he hits the open market. Now a guy of that level, um, fits the Bengals perfectly, would be exactly what they would be looking for. So no surprise they were in the mix, along with <laughs> seven other teams, uh, including the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you know, read a read a really solid player and a guy that you love in the mix with Ogan who can really get, you know, get pressure from in there and you know, but he's not gonna be out, he's not gonna price you out. He lands with the Chiefs, and you know a lot of consternation about that. I guess about why why couldn't they make it happen? Look, there's you can't one you can't have everybody. Two, if the guy is just looking to sign a one year deal for whatever money somewhere, um, you're gonna have a tough time beating the Chiefs, <laughs> right? Because you're gonna want to do it in the playoffs. You're gonna want to do it on the big stage. You're gonna want to do it in the Super Bowl. And when you sign on with the Chiefs, you know you're gonna be in that mix and, and that's a that's a tough one to beat them out on. It's also a tough one to swallow because it was kind of one of
1: the last big names uh that were out there right now. Yeah, I mean that's just that you you can get yourself a nice contract what you do in the regular season. But yeah, if you can you can do it in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl and the Chiefs have been to 3 straight AFC Championship games, 2 straight Super Bowls. It just that, that's one of the cases where the Bengals would have had to have done something that they don't typically do and that's win a bidding war. And we don't know how those negotiations played out, but uh it was going to be really hard for them to say hey, come play in Cincinnati as opposed to Kansas City.
0: Yeah, good story by Nate Taylor from our Chiefs uh site uh on the the background on all of that and he's the one that had the reporting about the teams involved and the Bengals being in the mix along with the cowboys and a few other teams he he talks about in there um but i mean i think the Bengals were very serious in that and but look yeah and and i don't know even if a bidding war would have made a difference look i mean Jaron reed is trying to position himself for the next contract not this one so a few million dollars to come play in cincinnati um, you know, as opposed to having a more prominent role on a team that's going to probably play in the Super Bowl, uh, is is probably a bit of a no brainer. But you know that that was probably the big news uh, of the weekend. As far as what's left, I think you're going to see some tying up some loose ends to fill in some of those gaps. Um, and and that is you know on the line. So you know, Mike Daniels still out there. Um, you got a pretty good chance we're going to see that thing get reined in soon. I would think. Um, to put him back in the mix. We talked about this before. He's a guy that seemed really like he liked being here, Um, enjoyed the team, seemed to be happy about it Um, and and was fairly productive. I mean, he's not, he's not a pressure King, but he's a push the pocket guy pretty consistently. I mean, he'll move it back and from that position, especially in a rotational role. And he does give you run game value. um, You know, certainly a nice piece that won't come out a big number.
1: And what a lot of people talked about with him was the attitude, just the nastiness and the edge that he brought. And that's something this defense needs. Uh, Von Bell helped with that a little bit. But the, the more guys like that you can have, the, the better. And he does seem to be um, one of the guys that a, a lot of Bengal fans seem to be in favor of. And, and a lot of them are tweeting at him um, on Twitter. And he does respond to these guys. It, it does. It just seems like uh, too much of a, an obvious fit for that not to work out.
0: Yeah, so I think that, and then, and then what you reach is that we're now at the part of free agency that everybody is entering into. Of okay, everybody hit pause, let the draft play out, and then revisit, and and you see a lot of those signings that happen after the draft, and that in that after the draft, and then 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 leading right up to right before camp too, as teams cut teams and players reevaluate the landscape. Right, And there's still a lot of names out there, but as far as things that will happen between now and the draft, I think everybody's kind of turned the page into, all right, let's focus on what this draft is. Let's focus on what we can get here. And then if we don't get what we want in the draft there's a bunch of names that will be out there and the players realize that their value will be in with a team that doesn't get what they want in the draft and needs to fill it. Uh, and so everybody's probably going to be hitting pause here for the next, you know, month plus until the draft plays
1: out. And you, yeah. And you've got the, the whole post draft, the the um, undrafted free agent frenzy. Um, there's, there's a lot of ways to, to fill out these, these rosters and no off season. Apparently we, It doesn't look like there's going to be one Um, just a lot of a lot of different ways for these teams to go. And there's it. We we talked about like the second, third wave of free agency being bargains. You can really get some bargains with with some of these guys that are still sitting out there once it gets starts getting close to training camp time. And these guys are eager to to get something signed and and get into camp. Yeah.
0: Um, One of the you know one of the biggest days of the offseason that we've we've seen thus far was Friday with the trades at the top of the draft so we got to dive into these from a Bengals perspective and some of the fallout that's that's come of it um, and that is so to recap the 49ers come up from 12 to 3 Trading back with the Dolphins, adding a load of picks, future ones involved. And after, and so going back to 12, they did that with the idea that they would come, they didn't want to fall that far back. So they had preset a deal with the Eagles to move back. So the Eagles move back from six to 12. The Dolphins offer up one of those first round picks that they got in order to come back up from six. So the Dolphins move back three spots, land a future one. Um, and And feel like they're probably going to get about the same guy. You know, a wild set of circumstances, and and that's been broken down all over the place. You know, what it sets up is assurance that that three spot will now be a quarterback. We already knew one and two would be, um, with the Jets either taking Zach Wilson, which appears to be the direction it's going to go, uh, or trading out of that spot and keeping Sam Darnold. But it looks like it's going to be Wilson there and then the 3 hole now will be the 49ers selecting a quarterback. The Falcons certainly in the market for a quarterback and you know the mock draft from uh Tory in Atlanta our, our Atlanta writer um suggests that they'll be in that and or now the market is set for what a trade out there would look like if somebody wanted to come up for a quarterback at four. So you have to feel like a quarterback. Very likely will now happen at four too, Jay, and and that leaves the Bengals sitting there pretty with the pick of the litter of of wherever they want to go.
1: Yeah, and you you had it in your mock draft. It feels like this is the year that it's the right thing to trade back, and that that, that their phone is going to be ringing, and and unless they are just. And I don't think they are. I, I, th- as, I think it would be more Chase than Sewell. But unless they're just dead set, we have to have this guy. They have to listen and they have to pull the trigger, I would think. I, it, you you have too many holes and you can really set yourself up. They For so long, they had all these extra picks with comp picks and that. And it just hasn't been the case lately. You can really kind of make this a, a defining draft if you can bulk up and – even your trade your your proposed trade with Jeff Howe to, to get a first round next year the, just all those options are so attractive when there's not that that one gotta have it guy that they could get at 5 i see
0: i i'm a little bit on the opposite side of the fence in that i do think they need more stars and jamar chase could be a star who's oh, i have going to the top of the mock draft but i'm with you you know the the enticement of the trade is serious. Here's here's why that phone could still be ringing. We could see five quarterbacks go in the mm. top five picks. So Daniel Jeremiah comes on uh, Robert Mays' Athletic Football Podcast here, and they're talking through the trade, and it surfaces. Look, from what I'm hearing, Daniel says around the league, they're going up for Mac Jones of Alabama, and they just wanted to assure that they would get him. Sitting at 12, they didn't know if they would. The 49ers reportedly did talk to the Bengals, did talk to the Falcons, did talk to the Dolphins, but wanted to just make sure so they traded up with the Dolphins. Now, you know, if the Bengals had a chance to collect a bunch of picks and move back to 13, and do kind of what Miami did and didn't say yes. You know, the Bengals suck at trading, so I'd say that again. <laughs> like I've said that a lot. Like they're just not good at it, and it, we don't know what the conversations were like. And it sounded like San Francisco wanted to erase all doubt, and so we don't know how serious they got with the Bengals. Uh, but it's no surprise that they were having conversations with them if they're looking to come up. I, I wouldn't even think they would be having conversations with the Bengals if they were looking for Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Right. Because it seems to be a thought that those guys would be number three for sure. So if it is Mac Jones, hey, that's possible, and that's really interesting because now you will have Lance or Fields potentially still on the board when the Bengals are picking on five, and that keeps the phone ringing. Could you? I mean, could we really see five straight quarterbacks off the top? If if Jones ends up in that mix, absolutely. Because there's these you know I get I, I you know, we I get stuff from our writers and I think you do too, Jay, of people asking about trades, asking about what's going on with the Bengals, you know, Denver, Carolina, New England are all still sitting out there wondering what they're going to do. And I think the possibility of a trade back there is still very much in play and still one that you have to think about, even though, yeah, the idea of sitting there and continuing the Chase or Sewell debate into oblivion, um, it's, it's trade back is still going to be very much on the table, specifically if Matt, that Mac Jones thing ends up being the truth and not a smoke
1: screen. Yeah, that is the key piece because though know, those teams that you mentioned that are behind the Bengals, if it, they were assuming it, it's going to be a first time ever quarterback, quarterback, quarterback they, they're not going to get the guy they want. But all of a sudden, if Mac Jones is in the mix then they absolutely can get one of those top four and the Mac Jones thing, just it, it just really surprised. I know teams overreact and panic and, And this is what happens in the draft process where people overvalue quarterbacks. But when I was at the senior bowl, like sitting there watching practice, I was just, I was just totally underwhelmed with the, and I'm not a talent advisor, but just watching these guys, not nobody at that senior bowl really kind of stood out. And I, I didn't, you couldn't get in a bar or you could, but with COVID it just, they weren't packed. I didn't canvas everybody, but I talked to a handful of people and the kind of the consensus was Mac Jones is like a mid round pick and a, a good backup who could maybe win you some games if your starter goes down. And now all of a sudden he's being looked at as a possible number three overall pick. It's just, I I don't know what he's done in this process to, to elevate or if it's not about him, if it's about the panic of the teams in, in, in San Francisco, uh, will be heavily represented at Alabama's pro day today. Um, I don't know it just it, it really surprises me four in a row would surprise me five in a row would be crazy and it, if Mac Jones is a, a top five top three pick um, that that would be the most surprising of all I, Although I would have said that last week now it's looking more and more likely. All right let's take a second and
0: switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Here's what I figured out, Jay. I figured out my stance on this whole thing, and it's that Jamar Chase is what the the problem is. We spend so much time, and everyone in our industry spends so much time talking about what they would do. Mm-hmm. Right? Who cares? Like, I'm happy that anybody thinks that my opinion matters you know where my opinion doesn't matter (laughs) inside (laughs) Paul Brown stadium. No one's does, but the ones that are in there, Um, you know, and so here's the thing. It's, this is not about what I would do. In fact, as I wrote, I would do the opposite of what I think the Bengals will do. Um, I I think the Bengals are going to take Jamar chase and I've, He's been, the, you know, I've sort of gone back and forth on that when I've involved my personal feelings and, and and not been able to kind of separate the two from sort of, you know, reading what you see in front of you and instead reading what I feel like I would do. But, you know, when it's come down to roster projection, uh, the first time I had Jamar Chase and it came down to mock draft when I really had to try to read what I think they're going to do, I, I do think it's going to be Jamar Chase. I've had that now for a couple of times. I just, I think the allure of all those weapons and, and taking advantage of the top of the draft at receiver where it's strong and the depth of the draft on the offensive line where that is the strength of it um, and it's just some of these lingering doubts that, that float out here about the top of this offensive line class would suggest that a lot of these guys are more the same than they are different in the top that are all gonna be there, these first five to ten offensive line prospects that are gonna go off the board. For that fact, I have them going with Chase and then filling out probably a couple picks in rounds two through four on offensive linemen, almost certainly that second round pick. And obviously trading back and trying to add more. Trading back changes the equation a little bit. Um that not necessarily receiver and not necessarily anything. You're, maybe that does change the equation, but for in this scenario, the re the I pers the reason I personally would not do it that way that I would take Penesul is just there's just a con- it's it, it's hard not to look at the history of the offensive line selections here over the last half decade and a ha- or a half more than a half a decade six seven eight years really going back to what Zeitler, hmm. Uh and 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 not take pause over the ability to for sure get that right, and I just want the highest floor on the most important question. And if that means doing something like drafting Panay Sewell and even putting him at guard or moving Joe to Williams to guard to solidify, then so be it. If I'm over if I'm overdoing it, then so be it. I, I worry. My concern is the history of them not drafting so well at offensive line. Whereas they have drafted really well at things like defensive line and wide receiver later in the draft. So I'm looking more at their history of what they have consistently done right and who they've been as a franchise, as opposed to maybe what fits this draft best. You know, at some point, you got to trust your people to get it right. I just feel like the offensive line plan is too important to bring. Um, you know, a guy with flaws into play and picking through the flaws. Can you get that right? Absolutely. And you can nail that and it can work out to you to a hundred, right? And you hit one, two, three, and it looks great. But man, if you miss it again, the way they've missed on the offensive line picks later in drafts, it, it, it's killer. And so that that's my, where I stand, where I think it will go. And where I would go are two different things, but I I do think that you know the allure of all those weapons all being under contract for multiple years
1: is just going to be too tough to pass up if they stay put. Yeah, and so much of it comes down to that that mindset where you know are they gun shy because of what their offensive line has been that that that's half of the mindset. The other half is are you one hundred percent convinced that Penesul is a can't miss prospect? If you have any doubts at all. I think you got to go chase. It, it's just you. If you take Sewell, any tackle at five, and it doesn't work out, it can set you back. Look what happened when they picked what? Oh boy, he was twenty-one, and then Fisher, and those two didn't work out. If if you take, it, it seems like receiver is a position that is less prone to busts. Maybe there's mental issues, but skill-wise, well. <laughs> and and maybe and, 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 and like I said, mental. It, it, it's more about mental than it is physical with with receivers. And he that was a guy that just struggled to pick things up. You know, had just confidence issues. He he never he didn't get slower. Now he did. His hands never got better, but. It does happen, but it seems like it happens far less frequently. So if you get more of, if you go for the more of the sure thing with the wide receiver in the first round, and then you can like you in your mock double up second, third round with offensive linemen. If you miss on that, it doesn't. It's not great. It's going to hurt, but it's not going to set you back like it would whiffing at five. And I don't know that Pineda would be a whiff. I'm not saying he would be, but if they have any doubts at all, they need to go the more sure route, which is either trading back. Or taking Jamar Chase.
0: Yeah, I mean it's and it's the one. I mean this is honestly. I, I, there's a joke when I when I was at the Enquirer, uh, my last year there with Fletcher Fletcher Page. Uh, we, you know, we were, we were great friends and we always we'd have a lot of fun with certain stuff, same way Jay and I do. And Fletcher had who's from the South, and he it was the year of of Devin Bush and Devin White, <laughs> and he would. He would always say the two Devins, and it was just the way the way he would say it. And we talked about it every single podcast because it was they needed a linebacker so bad they were drafting up towards the top. There was the idea that these guys were going to be there, and Devin White and Devin Bush, and it was the two Devins, the two Devins this year. The two Devins is. Chase versus Sewell. It's every it's it's every moment, it's every podcast, it's every Twitter conversation. It's like it's in and, and the two different ways that you can go on this debate. Uh it's like, you know, and so and it seems like the people that are in one side versus the other side of the camp have their their feet dug in and it's become this us versus them thing. It's very, it's a very odd development. Um I I I you know I think it, it's fine either way. Um, you can make arguments for either side. All I'm saying is I'm trying to focus not on what I would do, which is fine to discuss that what I would do and 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 the ways they could go. I just that that's the way that I I see it going for them. I, one element of this I want to discuss, and and you know, Albert Breer I think had this, and we've talked about this before. Um, about you know he him saying that in league circles, uh, it's thought that Burrow has been petitioning for Chase. I'm sure. I mean, he knows them. Yeah. Uh, they're friends. They were teammates. We, I mean, go back to, when did we talk to Burrow? January. We were asking about his relationship with Jamar Chase, and he talked about how great it was playing with them, and this, that, and the other. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I'm sure he, he would love to reunite with somebody he knows. You know, look, I, here, I'll take this, let, let's do this, We'll do this Colin Cowherd style, right? It always, we got to go real world analogy. All right, in your job, if there is a position open for someone to come work with you, and everybody keeps telling you, Joe Schmo, he's, he's incredible. You'll love him. He fits exactly what you do perfectly. It's going to be great. And then there's John Smith or Nancy Jones over here who you know you have worked with. Maybe they don't fit your perfect strength, but man, I love working with them. He or she was fantastic. You're No matter how great anybody says the other person is or even you find out the other person is in interviews or your bosses are like, man, I really think that could be the right thing. For you personally, you're always going to want the person that you know, that you're friends with, that you have that connection with. Always. So, the idea that he would be stumping for Chase is great. Now, the question is more, sh- how much should the Bengals take that into
1: consideration? I'll pose that to you. How much should the Bengals take that into consideration? Um, Some. It shouldn't be a deciding factor by any means because you, like I said, Earl, I'm not a talent evaluator. Joe Burrow, he knows talent more than I do, but he's... He's not a talent evaluator and if it's a guy that he likes as a friend, um, of course he's gonna say I want to play with that guy. Uh, it, it shouldn't carry any weight. I, you go back to like one of Zach Taylor it was becoming one of his uh, go-to answers. Uh, is, I've gotten this from him a couple times where you ask him uh, you know is it an advantage? For this, so in this case, is it an advantage that that Joe Burrow has a relationship with Jamar Chase? And his answer would be, it's not a negative. So it it does it it means something, but it's in your analogy, the Colin Cowherd analogy, Joe Burrow's not doing the hiring. He's he's not even upper management in this in this situation. Um, they'll listen to him, and it, it will be a variable, but it's it's not going to hold a ton of weight. This is, a, this is the front office call.
0: Here's the thing, though, and there's an interesting element to discuss about this, and, and that is the role of the quarterback as the CEO. Whose opinion in the real future of the Bengals franchise matters more, Joe Burrows or Zach Taylor's? Is Zach Taylor happy or is Joe Burrow happy? Ask the Houston Texans about that one. Ask the Seattle Seahawks about that one. Now, (laughs) Seattle would say, yeah, I know, he wants offensive linemen. But the quarterback can hold you hostage. And they're learning to do that. They're learning to use their leverage. If there's a worry, look, you do have to – I don't care what anybody says. You do have to take that into consideration. Joe Burrow needs to be happy to be a Bengal. Joe Burrow needs to feel like the Bengals listen to him. That is where you end up in trouble, like it happened in Houston. Like happened with Carson Palmer. Like it's happening in Seattle. They want to feel like their opinion matters. That does not mean every decision has to give them what they want. But their opinion needs to matter. Joe Burrow's opinion needs to matter. Because he is as much, he is the fabric of the franchise. He is your hope going forward. And so teams that forget that, teams that sweep that leverage to the side like it doesn't matter, are not understanding the way the game is now. Are not understanding the dynamics of how these athletes understand the landscape because they get it you don't think Joe Burrow sees what or any quarterback in the league that has any power like he will have potentially sees what these guys do and wouldn't be like okay well there's a blueprint for me here if I want out if I don't feel like they listen to me if I said this and they discarded it if they never fixed the issue I kept bringing up and it will ruin it will ruin your your franchise as as it's doing in multiple other places or cause massive issues that you just don't want. So I'm not saying do what Burrow says. I'm saying his opinion matters in a huge way and it
1: should. And he's under contract longer than Zach Taylor is at this point. So yes, yes. that 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 plays into it as well. And it's not like like you could really upset a quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, the, for example, they didn't take any wide receivers and they drafted a, a quarterback to replace him. Or maybe if you went out and drafted another defensive guy after spending all this money on free agency, that would rub Joe Burrow the wrong way. Getting him a tackle instead of his favorite wide receiver, that's like if somebody gives you a, a, a six-pack of IPA and you're like, ah, I would have rather had Guinness, but I like IPA. I mean, they're, they're still doing something for you, giving you something you want and need. Um, so I don't... And and plus, I just don't think Joe Burrow is the the type that's that would would be put off. Yes, if they took a quarterback, then maybe. But if you give (laughs) if you give him a tackle as opposed to a wide receiver, he's gonna be okay. Yeah, I would have liked to have played with Chase, but I I I totally get this. This is fine. Yeah, he's
0: not gonna complain about somebody Manning new Manning the position that broke his left knee. (laughs) No. Also, don't ever get me a six pack of Guinness. I who, who can drink six Guinness? I, I just that's the first thing that came to my mind. So yeah, <laughs> well, who says I you get, have to drink it all I at once? Do like I, I, they need to stay. That that would last me. That would last me a long time. And that <laughs> includes if we did it through a St. Patrick's Day, where I, I always have a Guinness. But I always I, I have I, I have Guinness on St. Patrick's Day every year. And every year I say, yeah, this is why I don't drink these
1: all the time. I, They're I, fine. They're just too thick. Well. The, it's weird i cannot chug alcohol i can't really chug anything but you drop a shot of jameson and a guinness and i have no problem those car bombs go down very easy wow now yes now
0: you're flashing me back now now we're (laughs) back at ou all right uh (laughs) all right let's um i want to thank everybody uh for sending in questions oh before we get to that we have to talk about the andy staples trade yes Uh, this is really interesting so andy staples with the jags um, was trying to figure out a way to get Trevor Lawrence and Kyle Pitts on the same team together for his mock draft. And the Jags have all kinds of uh, picks. And so here's what he proposed, and he sort of tweeted it out, with like, I don't think the Bengals would be interested in this, but here's how on the actual draft chart you could get an equal deal uh, and land Pitts. And that was, I'll just read it, here's the pitch. The Jaguars package, the number 25 pick, it's 720 points on Jimmy's chart, with the number 33 pick and the number 45 pick. That equals 1,750 points on the chart. What should that buy? The number five pick, the Bengals pick, worth 1,700 points. So the th- argument being you now have, you're selling the quantity over the quality at the tops, so the Bengals now would have 25 33 38 and 45 you now have four picks in the 25 to 45 range versus two picks but you have something at five
1: my question would you do that I don't know I, I have to think about it really hard I would not say no nope and, and shut it down immediately i would I would give this a lot of thought because I went I, I went and looked at what you never know how these drafts are going to play out, obviously. But I went and looked at Dane Brugler's top 100 and what you could get at 25, 33, 38, and 45. It hits the Bengals pretty well. You want to hear the I names? I mean, you you could definitely draft
0: two offensive linemen and two defensive uh-huh. linemen that would all make you feel real happy. Uh, and you could throw in a receiver. You could do you could do any combination um, and and feel feel pretty good. Um, now whether that pans out or not, I don't know. I, I get nervous about losing the top tier if you because if you're trading back, you you I, I would want to stay in that top tier where I can get Slater or Vera Tucker, um, for sure. Because after that, I think you get more questions, um, and you're taking a little bit more chance, or or Sewell obviously. But um, you know I I think so, you know we can go back past thirteen. You're going to be that's the thing you're getting the quantity but now you're 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 taking more chance and you're bringing in more evaluation the thing is the Bengals have done good with second round picks so the yeah. more second round picks they can get the better in my opinion they should always trade all their ones and add twos <laughs> because they've done so good in the second rounds so they should be picking there more often so perhaps this is the right move i think it's more interesting than you than you think i don't know that they do it i think yeah. they would ask for more than that they'd probably want a future two or something also throw in there or lord knows what but um you know, I I'm not as opposed to uh,
1: opposed to it as maybe Andy thinks we should be. No, I, I wasn't either. I, I thought it was really interesting. That's why I went ahead and did the, you know, looked up the names. And the other thing is you you can just wait and see how it plays out. And if you start getting nervous, you can package two of those twos and move back up into the first round. If, if there's a guy that you really want and things start going off the board. It just gives you another option in that regard. But you mentioned you you could get two offensive linemen, two defensive linemen. Um, you, uh, Osai, the edge from Texas, he would be available at forty-five based on Brugler's ratings. And the other thing, the wide receiver in that mix, who's thirty-eight on Dane's list. Oh, by the way, another LSU wide receiver, Terrence Marshall, Terrence Marshall Chase, yeah. but. There's there's a
0: few. I mean, they, we'll be digging more into the positions here as we go through the next month. Um, there's a lot of really interesting debates to be had um, at the receiver position. If you're talking going that way in the second third round, um, there's there's a lot of options there. Um, and, and there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of good players. I think in that space that are you know if we talk about depth of position, we talk so much about the offensive line depth. Um, you you would almost certainly be grabbing two offensive linemen there, and, and feeling pretty good. But uh, it's it's an interesting thought like that from Andy. A good conversation to have. Um, I don't know that it would happen, but fun to, fun to talk about. All right, let's just take a quick break. I want to thank everybody. We, we had so many mailbag questions last week. I made it all offensive line. There were a lot of good ones in there that I wanted to make sure we had some time to get to, so Jay and I are going to kind of truck through a few of these um, that I wasn't able to get to uh, in the story, and, and and talk through them. So the first one was not a mailbag question, but it was a good one, and it was on Twitter. Um, and it was about offensive line salary investment and where the Bengals ranked this year. We've, we've talked in the past about how they had not invested. I had that chart of <laughs> you, you get what you pay for chart uh, where whenever the Bengals, you know, the last four or five years have been in the bottom quarter essentially almost of, of investing and they have found themselves in the bottom quarter or so of performance via PFF grades. And back when they were investing earlier in the decade and they were in the top half or top quarter of the league and paying offensive linemen, guess what they played that way it's kind of been that way throughout so the question was posed as well where where are they looking at next year then at this point considering they're not going to be paying any more big money for offensive linemen
1: and jay you dug even deeper into those stats as you are one to do uh what'd you what'd you got well currently right now 2021 spending on offensive line the bengals are 23rd Mm -hmm. so that's, that's about where they typically are. Last year, they were even lower. They were 25th last year, but I, I went beyond and looked at where last year's teams, what they spent, what they ranked on offensive line spending and whether they made the playoffs or not. And it's not like the teams that spend the most on offensive line go to the playoffs. It did six, six playoff teams were in the top 10 of offensive line spending. But five were in the bottom 10. You had the Rams, the Chiefs, the Saints, the Bears. Baltimore Ravens went to the playoffs. They were dead last in offensive line spending last year. So it, it works. It can go either way. And, and the Bengals are going to rise. You figure unless Jonah Williams just turns into a total bust, they're going to extend him and he's going to be getting a, a huge deal here in a couple years. And that's going to move them up the list. They're they're never going to be a big free agent spending team on offensive line. But if they find guys, we've seen them do this. They, they extended Clint Bowling. They extended Whitworth a couple times. They, they didn't extend Zeitler. But if they find tackles they like, um and, and Clint was a little bit more of an affordable guard, but if they find guys they like, they will extend them. So I would expect if they do, whether it's Sewell or whoever they take this year, He's going to be up for an extension in in four years and Jonah in a couple years, and they, they're going to climb up this list regardless of what they do in free agency.
0: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. How long do you have to watch them not invest in offensive line until you're like, maybe that's just not what they're going to be. No. Um, yeah, I mean, they need their pet picks to pan out, and their picks are not panning out. Their offensive line picks are putrid. Um, You know, TBD on Jonah. So I mean we'll you know that's just when you don't when they don't pan out they eventually will not invest. They're you know, they're the Riley Reef thing is is even then and we we just continue to go in that that that's where they're at. I mean they're they're gonna be back in that bottom quarter again. So they need the picks to pan out. It kind of comes back to that, you know. That's that's where they're gonna be. Um let's move on This from you know, we love our run passer boots, so we'll throw a couple of those and I like this one. Run passer boot, this one from Kevin K. Run, passer boot. First-round pick is healthy for all 16 games. Bengals trade back from five, or first-round pick makes the Pro Bowl this year. First-round pick healthy for all 16 games. Could
1: you imagine, Jay? <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Never <laughs> bet against the trend, but if that's the case, you don't run with any of these because what are the odds? I'm going to run with trade back. Um, I, I will... I'll pass on all sixteen. I think that's more likely than whoever that first rounder is making the playoff. We or making the Pro Bowl. We know what the Pro Bowl is. It's a popularity contest, and it takes a while for these guys. You have to really be good as a rookie to to grab everybody's attention, especially in a market like Cincinnati, to get national votes from the fans and to get peer votes um, across the league from the coaches and the players. I, I just I'll boot Pro Bowl. I don't see that happening.
0: This is a hard one. I, I, you know what? I'm gonna boot Pro Bowl. I'm gonna run with the first round picks healthy for 16 <laughs> games. I, I, I can, this this can't go on forever, right? Like, and I know how many players actually are healthy for all 16 games. Like, you're still in general. There's always, you know, you guys are gonna miss one or two. But I'm This is the this. At some point, it's ridiculous. At some point, the guy's got to stay healthy. So I'm going to say this is the time. They're going to stay healthy. I'm going to pass on the trade back uh, and and boot the Pro Bowl just because it is hard to make the Pro Bowl on the first year um, in general, even if even if it's a guy at a high-profile position like receiver, um, like uh, Jamar Chase who comes in and goes over 1,000 yards. Would he make the Pro Bowl? Maybe. Uh, there's a lot of good receivers out there who probably would still be kind of you always it always takes you one year longer than you think it should to get in for the first time and you usually stay one or two years longer than you deserve to be so I'll boot that but yeah this is at some point you got to be healthy right
1: Las Vegas was built on the philosophy of at some point
0: (laughs) (laughs) and I have fallen victim to that in the past Uh, good question though I like that one Uh, Luke M will this year's team on week one be better than last year's team on week one jay i have this for jay's got stat spot i found maybe you you have a cornerback stat do you not
1: i do because um, here's
0: because here, this is part of what my argument was going to be I, I well first of all i definitely think that they'll be better than last year on week yes. one the question is whether they're better than last year on week 10 before Burrow went down, so right. <laughs> so the the team last year that took the field in Washington, um, is that team better than the one that will go out there, Week One? I I believe so because one I I you know this is the, under the assumption that Burrow is playing Week One. I, I I do think the line will be better. I do think the defense will be. At the very least, a wash. I think T. Higgins will be a, a stud. I, I, you know, you'll have Mixon back. Uh, I do think Frank Pollock can make a difference. I, I just, I do think they will be better. I do think they have kind of continued to turn the corner. Um. So the answer to that is yes. I do think they'll be better than Week One. I don't think they've hemorrhaged. Uh, they're probably more on the same level, but I think in important areas they they will be improved and and plus they'll they'll add some draft picks. They're going to be instant impact improvement guys too. Still to come. So for that fact, I'll say yes. But part of that I think is is if you're wondering if the defense where the defense can be better, it could be where Jay's. But done some research.
1: Yeah, just first to the question specifically. I think they will be better than week one last year. And to your point, I think they will be better on week one this year than they were in washington last year just the offensive line alone makes a big difference but burrow's only going to get smarter and more comfortable and there's just there's so many reasons to like but the the defense i went back and looked it the last time the bengals had multiple cornerbacks with multiple interceptions in a season was 2015 it's the longest drought in the NFL right now. Every other team has had multiple quarterbacks, cornerbacks have at least two picks in a year. And you go out and you've got three guys that have never played for you before. Um, it, it feels like, well, and then you add Eli Apple as well, who's not an interception ma- machine, but they, they have paid, they've put so much money into that cornerback position, even with letting William Jackson walk that it, it, it feels like, that group is, even though none of them have played with each other before, uh, is going to be better than what they started at, and as a defensive backfield safeties exclu- excluded uh, last year on week one.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that you can say great and will say great about William Jackson, but you know, picking the ball off no. was not one of them, um, and, all, and and that's something I would say about Darius Phillips um who is part of why you've you know i just continue to wonder why he shouldn't be more relevant because he can help fix that problem in a big way is one thing he does do well um is is track the ball and get you some of those picks but some of these guys you know you you hope to change that up change that mojo up and more turnover turnovers uh can can help you real quick you know for bengal's fans who have been around i go back to that 05 team who was just opportunistic they weren't necessarily a great defensive team. Um, the offense was fantastic, but the O5 team, they just got turnovers. They just they just found ways to get turnovers and make plays and it complemented the offense so well, the offense which was a juggernaut. You know, if you're looking for what the Bengals are trying to replicate here, um, that's part of what you would hope it would look like. Of course, every team in the world would love to replicate a team that scores a ton of points and turns the ball over a bunch (laughs) on defense. And that's hard to do, but I do think a lot of the pieces are in play to make that happen. So, um, you know, and that's, that's where you start getting into the special stuff that can change the trajectory of the franchise. So, um, but yeah, I think I think that's a big part of it. You know, getting turnovers, cornerbacks that are opportunistic and that can make those plays that can be like Tory James and Delpha O'Neal, uh, who were just picking off everything that came in their area, uh, can can be absolute game changers. Now, is that what Hilton and Ouzier uh and Wayne's are gonna be at? I don't know, but I know what the guys that have been around to the last few years haven't been, and that's that's making plays.
1: And you you assume you hope that they're the the pressure is going to be better up front and that leads to more picks on the back end as well or batted balls or uh hit quarterback as they're delivering and then you that can open the door for more defensive line and linebacker interceptions um i do i i think that they're going to be i don't know they're going to be great but i think they're going to be much better at taking the ball away this year they'll need to be
0: uh so along those lines run passer boot from david h At the end of the 2021 season, Trey Hendrickson will have 10 plus sacks. Carl Lawson will have 10 plus sacks or both will have less than seven sacks.
1: Ooh,
0: (laughs) I like it, David. That's a good one. What do you got, Jay? Uh,
1: This is another one where I would ask for a fourth choice of none of the above. Um, I could see both those guys being in the the eight, nine range, Um, but gonna play by the rules um, I'm gonna go Hendrickson I'll run with him um, I'll pass on Lawson um he's never he's never had that many before at least even though Hendrickson was a one- year thing he he got there um he got to 13 and a half uh, and I'll boot both go less than seven um I, I just think new surroundings uh, more opportunities to rush the passer uh, what the league is now with all the the, the the as much passing as there is one of them is going to top seven.
0: Yeah, that's the thing is, if you're talking about Hendrickson and Lawson, you know Lawson has never done it, and Hendrickson has. So if you're having to parse between the two, and I also think Hendrickson will have a ton of opportunity. Not that Lawson won't. Um, you know, he, Lawson has always been a disruptor. Uh, more so, I mean, he's been a creator of sacks for others. I mean, at, at Bengals pass rush at its best. Was when Carl Lawson was just feeding sacks to Dunlap and Gino, <laughs> yeah. you know, where he would get back there and flush the pocket, and there would be the other guys meeting him or, or a step behind or or reacting on the other side. Maybe he does. I don't know. That's not saying you won't. I mean, I think I think he's gonna be great in in Robert Sala's scheme there. But um, I'll I'll do the same. I'll run with Hendrickson just in pure opportunity that he'll have. And I will pass on Lawson, and, and I'll boot less than both have less than seven. That seems highly unlikely um, that both will tot- will flop. Uh, so I'll I'll pass on that. Um, another was an added question to David H. He said, "In five years, will Bengals fans feel about Lawson as they do now about Whitworth, the one that got away? Maybe about Zeitler? Like you understood it, but." Whitworth was different because I just felt like at the time no one foresaw Whitworth being – what the hell is he? Is he 40 yet? <laughs> like, I think he's I think 40 he's, now. I mean no one foresaw, could have foreseen that he'd be 40 out here doing the thing, right? There, there's, a, there's a good rationale behind letting a guy go who's in his late 30s, okay? So as much as Whit, yes, and Whitworth has been the one that's got away, and that is bemoaned, and that was a mistake, and we can talk about that. But you know, there is a really strong rationale. Whereas, like a guy like Zeitler was in his prime, he was good, and and you developed him, and you you weren't able to to keep him because you weren't going to pay for that. You know, and they swapped out. I, I don't know. I, maybe they will. He is he is liked. He is liked. You know, but. I don't know if he'll be viewed as the one that got away. If he stays healthy, probably. But I don't know that he's gonna stay healthy. We don't know that. I mean, there is a history there.
1: Yeah, I just looked. Wit turns 40 in December. And the, the thing, like they let Wit go in 2015 when they drafted he and Fisher. They like they they had they forced their hand. They were gonna get criticized either way. If they don't, if they keep him, they're like, Well, why'd you draft two tackles? the year before, and if they don't keep him, everybody loved him. And like you said, it wasn't foreseen. He would still be playing this well, this, this late in his career. He's it's, it's hard to compare him to anybody because it was such a weird, unique situation. Um, I, if, if Lawson goes off and and goes crazy in New York, then I I don't, I don't know. I guess Bengal fans would be, Hey, we had that guy, but again, it, it feels like they, they, the decision they made—it wasn't like an obvious one to bring him back, and the the, the fact that they let him go—I don't know. Fans like to complain no matter what, but I, I don't I don't see him being in that category of oh the, the the one that got away, right?
0: But maybe you never know. Yeah, I mean he's <laughs> he go to a four chance. straight Pro I mean goals, there's yeah. always a, yeah there's always a chance. I mean there's there's just always a chance of that. I mean he's a good player. Um, all right, a few to wrap it up. From Brad W., I like this one. What is your favorite down and distance on TV broadcast? He says, for me, fourth and a short two with a chef's kiss. Uh, here's mine. You know, I'm about new beginnings and fresh hope and all the possibilities of the the offense taking the field. First and 10, baby. <laughs> I like a good... I just like first and 10. You know, here we go. See what's going to happen next. Now, there's something to be said for fourth and goal. I like fourth and goal a lot. Um, I like the pressure of that. But uh, as a new beginnings guy, first and 10. That's just, that's just, I'm just, I'm just trying to turn over a leaf of
1: hope. You know, it doesn't count. It's not down and distance, but I love the two point conversion. Yeah. Just the, the different plays they, they, they bring out the wrinkles. Um, not so much the decision of whether to go for two or not. that uh, turns into a Twitter fight a lot of times, but just, just that it's kind of that do or die moment. Uh, for true down and distance, I'll, I'll take third and eight. It, it, it's just one of those, it's hard to convert and it's, it really tests the, the quality of an offense and of a quarterback when, when things aren't going well and you can, you can make something happen. You can move the chains on third and eight. Um, it's, I'm not gonna say third and 10, cause that means you're watching a pretty boring game. It's probably gonna be incomplete, incomplete, and then try to chuck it on third and 10. But, uh, yeah, give me a third Nate, and eight and see who has the medal to, to convert it and, and keep the drive going. You just made every offensive coordinator of the league cringe
0: third and eight. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what did we do on the first two downs? run for Wait. a yard, run for a yard, <laughs> Some Bengals ba- some have seen that show play out.
1: Ooh, if it was the uh, Bengals, it was probably like run for six yards, sacked for eight. Sack. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, what would you say
0: are the qualities of a – this is from Andrew Kay. What would you say are the qualities of a Cincinnati man? He says, My suggestions are A, owns a salty dog cafe t shirt, B, has strident opinions about craft beer, C, expects and is prepared for disappointment. Those are pretty good. The salty,
1: Jay, do you have a salty dog cafe t shirt? I have never in my life owned a salty dog t shirt. I don't know if I've ever been to a salty dog. I don't have it either.
0: But I have seen yes. many a salty dog cafe t shirt. There
1: is there is no doubt about that. I think if you go on spring break, you have to buy one. It's a rule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we did
0: when I did the That's So Cincinnati podcast, um, we would do the, you know, something every week that was so Cincinnati. And we tried to at one point, we did a live show down at the Flying Pig, the Friday night of the Flying Pig. And as every there was actually a sky. This is so Cincinnati. There was a skyline booth right next to us, and everybody was in line to get their skyline. And so as that was going on, we were just asking out loud with the speakers, "Who? What is the most Cincinnati thing? What is so Cincinnati? What is the most so Cincinnati thing?" And someone came up with something that I still to this day always hold when questions like this arrive, and it was Grandma's getta, and it was like. <laughs> That is the most like hardcore Cincinnati born and bred is someone who talks about grandma's ghetto, right? Like that's me. Like I talk about my grandma's ghetto that she made. So so Cincinnati man I'm saying is a man that talks about and and, and still pines for grandma's ghetto. That is a Cincinnati man for me.
1: Yeah, you know, I never had Getta until probably seven or eight years ago when we went to Getafest. Fest. Um, I, I don't know. Living outside the 275 loop, uh, I guess I'm suburban Cincinnati, so does that – do I count as a Cincinnati I would love man, to hear maybe? what's the qualities of a Hamilton man. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I don't know if I could uh, – I don't know if I could – I might put myself in danger if I, if I ran down that list. <laughs> but I, I would say for the, the quality of Cincinnati man uh, – it's just that it's the Midwestern mindset. We, we talk about all the, how negative and everything is on Twitter and how much people like to complain, but generally it is, they are, it's good people. It, it, it's, it, yes, there's fights out there and there's, there's jerks, but in general, most people that live in Cincinnati are, are good, respectful, friendly people. And I, I do enjoy that as opposed to the kind of the surliness of some of the bigger cities across the country that we go to.
0: I am. I I pride myself on maybe being one of the biggest proponents of Cincinnati. I, I love it. I grew up here. I, I I love everything about the city. Um, here's one of the reasons I I love it, and I have to credit my wife for this because she she pointed it out. But it's a feeling that I think everybody ha- has here. Is there's an accountability to living in Cincinnati because we talk about all the time, like okay, you know. Everybody knows somehow. Everybody knows you somehow, right? It's 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 the it's a it's a small town. It's the biggest small town or the smallest big city, however you want to look at it. But whenever you meet somebody, somehow you can connect yourself back to them, right? And when that happens, you always know if I do something, if I do something that is, you know, if I'm a jerk, if I they know somebody that knows me. Like it always will come back to you. There's an accountability to living in a city like Cincinnati that it has a, brings a small townness with all the big city appeal. And I think the accountability factor of people trying to be good to each other because we all feel like we're part of this community is a big part of what makes Cincinnati what it is and I think is, is what maybe is also part of being a Cincinnati man. As we answer this question, look at you, Andrew K. You have you have gotten <laughs> us off into a very quality in-depth discussion about the city. Um, all right. One last one I want to get into. We're going to leave. Is Matthew C. had a question about uh, a number of different things. But I, he also said, please provide full backstory on the J.R.B.'s motif. <laughs> so I guess there probably are a lot of people out here that maybe they missed uh when we discussed why jay loves arby's so much or the ba- jay
1: fill people in where just you're you're can you just tell the love story yeah it's, i was an employee i worked at arby's uh, my senior year of high school and had a great time had a great boss had great co-workers obviously you get the the half price discount so you eat that food a lot and i just i just came to love it and it, it's funny because we we discussed the 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 story, I don't know if it was on the pod or elsewhere, I was talking about, I think it was in a different conversation, but I got arrested at Kings Island two months after I was 18, and my one phone call sure as hell wasn't going to be to my mom, so I called my friend at Arby's who was working that night. He, he wasn't with us to go to Kings Island, and that's where I got arrested, and so I called him, and... I was with him this weekend and I was relaying the story about how I was telling the story of, I was rested. I made how my one phone call. And, uh, he reminded me that, yes, he was totally, pinned and wrapped in saran wrap. When I made that call, we, we had a lot of fun there and we did a lot of pranks. <laughs> and that was one of the pranks where our manager totally wrapped him in saran wrap. So the, the manager is like, Jay's on the phone and the manager's holding the phone <laughs> while Hal is wrapped up in saran wrap. And he's like, yes, I'll come get you out of jail as soon as I get off. As <laughs> soon as I get out of this saran wrap, <laughs> our, our, our manager would, uh, he would go buy beer this is probably gonna get Arby's in trouble, but he would go buy beer, put it in the <laughs> walk-in cooler, and then when we got done with our shift, we would go up on the roof and, and drink beer. And so you can you can see where the love of Arby's comes from. It was just great times at a in a fun time in my life. I hope that this story from UJ is what takes the Arby's <laughs> franchise down.
0: So they get sued for, <laughs> for for all of these shenanigans that occurred. Morrison takes down Arby's story to be. Underage drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So that's the background of the Arby's motif uh for anybody that didn't know that and it continues to show up because jay just continues to show up at arby's it continues to be (laughs) weaved into the fabric of his life and that's all part of the fun uh all right thanks everybody for all your questions that you sent into the mailbag i'm so sorry i couldn't get to all of them there's just so many um and (laughs) so maybe there we'll continue to try to do some of these questions on future pods and things like that and again you have run passer boots Fire them to yes. us and we'll try to compile them and do an all run passer boot podcast at some point. That will be a lot of fun. We'll have to plot that. Uh, so all right. That's right for listening. And we will talk to you next time on Here That Podcast Ground. Have a good one. Everybody.